Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Ten on Wisconsin's Morning News. We'll take you into the weekend. Greg Pancake Hill produces the program. Eric Bilstead and Vince Vitrano were with you until 9 o'clock today. I wanted to start with something you mentioned off the top of the news, uh, this ongoing story with Ascension Healthcare and the issue of them shutting down the birthing center at it's St. Francis, right? St. Francis Hospital? Yes. I'm less bent out of shape with that decision or less concerned, if you will, about that than I am about the more recent report in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about trouble at kind of the flagship hospital, um, what we often refer to as Columbia St. Mary's, now just St. Mary's, Ascension St. Mary's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the east side of Milwaukee. And in the interest of full disclosure, um, my wife and I are both Ascension people. Our primary care physicians are through Ascension. Okay. And my appendix out at an Ascension hospital. Hey, yeah, about that? Had all three of our kids at St. Mary's, and I have had nothing but expert care. And I've now I drive even quite some some distance to see my primary care guy. He moved like out of the east side area, and now I got to drive to him. But I still drive to him because that's my doc, and I've been very happy with them. That's not to diminish anybody else's personal experience. Mm-hmm. I just mean anecdotally, no problem. Um, I've I've been good with the usual sort of healthcare issues, notwithstanding that I think is system wide, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, JS had this article, and we do know that um, that facility. St. Mary's is going through some issues. They suspended, what do they call, like non-emergency surgery or non-emergency surgical procedures for a period going into February. And they haven't really fully explained what was behind that. What we're hearing is they got to get their stuff in order. Mm -hmm. Staffing's a problem there. They just don't have the the bandwidth to be able to handle it all. Reports in the Journal Sentinel about uh, nurses reporting for their shift and then not even doing their shift, walking out because the conditions that they're walking into are either for them personally too overwhelming or even professionally, they're looking in and coming coming on shift, seeing we don't have enough people again for my shift to properly care for people, and I'm done enabling that. I'm out. I won't be a part of it. And that is truly concerning. But not to pick on Ascension here, because I think this issue is bigger than Ascension. And if you look under the mattresses at many of the hospital systems and several of the big ones in our area, you're going to see a lot of the same themes. Maybe not to the extent that it's going on at this particular hospital. But I can tell you from personal experience, I had someone close to me in the hospital in spring. A couple of different stays, a couple of different surgeries. So two different buildings, same hospital system outside of Ascension. And every time I went to see her... A nurse told me or indicated or this person told me one of the nurses said that they were understaffed on that floor. And sometimes by double. I had a nurse tell me I'm supposed to have, and I can't remember what the ratio was, but say it was six. I'm supposed to have six patients on this critical care floor or post-surgical floor or whatever. I'm supposed to have six under my care. I have 12. Double the number. So is that because it's not an attractive job or because they're not making enough money or a little bit of from column A and from column B? Right. And, and I'm on record as saying whatever we're paying nurses, double it. <laughs> That's fine. You unbelievable. Know, like the yeah, job unbelievable. that they have done, and not just nurses. Let's take it into, you know, uh, Greg Pancake Hill mentioned, he goes, what about the techs? You know, you're an ultrasound tech or right, an imaging yeah. tech yes. of some kind, things like that. People who help the surgeons, mm-hmm. different, they are... Uh, highly trained people in very skilled positions, even take it down to custodial staff. I don't know if they use the word orderly 
anymore. But like people who clean these hospital rooms, who clean the hospitals, what about the security? What about the folks who check you in even? Whatever we're paying them all, particularly as they come off of COVID, whew, if you made an argument to me we need to pay them more, I'm not going to stand in the but way of that. Isn't there enough money going into that system? Like, don't we pay enough in our healthcare costs that you think that they have enough money to be able to handle most of this stuff? Yeah, I'm you a wonder. speaking on it, obviously, but insurance costs are ridiculous. And everybody's on, I shouldn't say everybody's, so many of us, like here at our company, we have these high deductible plans where it's like, look, here's what insurance is for you now, and maybe we'll throw into your HSA or whatever to help you make some of your payments. But what insurance is now is you have this level of, if you're at whatever your deductible is, 7K or 8 or 12, mm-hmm. uh, basically you're out of pocket for all of your medical expenses up to that catastrophic level. So we won't we won't bankrupt you, but you're on the hook. You're for, pretty darn close. Yeah, geez, for paying for all of this stuff out of pocket. I don't know. I mean, in terms of funding, is it the systems bearing the weight of the uninsured or the underinsured? And I'm sure that's part of it. Got to be part of it. No question. Because you have Medicare and Medicaid, and any doctor will tell you they don't pay near enough for what the services are that they're receiving. So if you're a Medicare or Medicaid patient, you go in, government doesn't reimburse the hospitals, the doctors, the people enough for the services that those are providing, but that's just how that system works. You have to think too, there are still, despite Obamacare, plenty of people who have no insurance. Mm -hmm. You still have to sign up for Obamacare to have Obamacare, right? So how many of the 800 some GSWs that end up at area hospitals, gunshot wounds, are insured people. And they're there in emergency care. You have to save their lives. You have to do everything. Well, are the hospitals getting paid for that? I'd say very often they're not. So that's a cost that they absorb. But even if it's not a cost thing, like I know somebody who's close to a lot of nurses and said, like, they're throwing all kinds of money at nurses. They can't find them. They won't. It's the pressures of the job or the demands of the job, or it's one of these things where if you've ever worked in a workplace where like people quit and then you have to pick up the slack. The same type of thing, but it's in a hospital. Right. And if you're in one of those situations, maybe it's happened in your office where you're one of the people who has to pick up the slack because this person quit and that person quit. The more people who quit, the more people quit, right? Because now you're being asked to pick up the slack and then you're like, I'm tired of doing this when are we going to get some more people in here i quit too <laughs> i wonder if that's yeah, another thing yeah. that's happening as you hear these stories from from nurses and other healthcare professionals about what the conditions are in the hospitals and we are three years out of covid and they bore the brunt of some pretty bad stuff so that stuff that concerns you more obviously the saint mary situation notwithstanding but that stuff concerns you more than the saint francis Delivery. I haven't closure. understood that one. And again, I think the nurses who are who are standing up for themselves and for their profession have a much better case to make system wide over multiple different companies about the conditions that they're being asked to work in and about what's happening in those hospitals and staffing up. They make a much better case about that in general than they do about this particular labor and delivery center. I mean, what, what was the argument they made? Well, some people might have to drive 20 minutes then to to give birth. Isn't that fairly standard? I was going to say, what's the average across the state? Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's a huge burden to ask of people, well, you know, this was your hospital. We're going to have you go here now. And again, they're saying, we'll still do it on an emergency basis if there is a reason are. to do they that. They are yes. doing so. 
The ER is giving birth to babies. Within that same system, I guess it was before they were Ascension, but we lived in Bayview and we had our kids at St. Mary's. That's 15, 20 minutes, easy. Mm, yeah. There was no issue there. I was not concerned about that whatsoever. So I don't, I don't think that's a strong case to make and to make that your poster boy for this argument. Uh, I'd rather see them be talking about the other issues. And you can take it outside of one system or another. I think across the board, we are stressed and strained and feeling it. And I'm not sure why. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Commence primary ignition. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. I know a lot of you are seeing this in the healthcare world right now. What's up with that? Talk about it next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank. Get old, 855-616-1620. A lot of folks jumping into the conversation. I thought this would be something that resonated with people because we all have some some need for health care. And hopefully you've had your loved ones and yourself, you've stayed out of the hospital recently or ever. But just myself in the last year, having been in and out of the hospital more times with people I care about than I would have liked, I've seen it firsthand how understaffed, particularly in nursing, but across the board, these facilities, not unique to Ascension or one system or another, how understaffed they are. And a lot of different takes on this is which what is what yeah, we like anticipate. What gives here? The Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Here's one from the 262. Part of the problem is that hospital administrators have been more interested in building beautiful buildings with beautiful light fixtures that cost thousands and thousands of dollars, but not providing money for staff. In other words, they'd rather spend money on things that make the building beautiful rather than on, for example, a nursing assistant's salary. And we have so many good texts, but I have got to, I've got to jump on that one. I've long talked about that because I think people in healthcare just assume hospitals are hospitals and docs are docs, right? Mm-hmm. What difference, what discriminating factors are there? And the hospitals sort of realize that. It's human nature, right? So when you visit a hospital and it looks like a really cool building and there's a flat screen in every room and each room is private versus having a curtain between it, which is largely standard procedure now, and they have a healing garden and a beautiful courtyard and the cafeteria looks nice. And you say, this looks like a really nice hospital. Sure, yeah. Based on no knowledge of the expertise of their staff, what are their staffing levels? Or if they have a staff. (laughs) Right. So I think that person, I total agreement with that text, and that's how we become sort of overbuilt in that way. Here's one from Marie. Vinny, my daughter's been a nurse and traveling nurse for a number of years. Wow, to have even six patients on a critical care floor is too many. Mm. She says preferably it would be four to five. You had said that when you went to, you were visiting someone, you yeah. said it was more than six, right? Because they yeah, were so I, thin. And I, I don't want to, I know the ratio was double. So if it was six to 12 or if it was four to eight, I don't remember. But I remember the nurse saying to me, well, I, I should only have this many. And the number she gave was actually, I, I'm in, I'm in. I have double that number in my care. Here's another one from the 920. I think the fact that COVID shots were mandatory may have taken out some of the nurses too, perhaps. Yeah, we have an, uh, let me, let me, I'll bring in Rain here. Uh, 855-616-1620. Rain in Mequon uh, has a similar take on that. Morning, Rain. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, doing well. What do you think? 
yeah. Well, I mean, the nursing thing goes back to the days when women were only allowed to be librarians and nurses. Did we lose him? Oh, sorry, Rain. Uh, we we lost you. Uh, he was going to make the point too that vaccine mandates may have contributed as well to those staffing shortages. I think I think certainly early on in COVID that was part of it, and I think maybe some of those people have not come back to the profession. And I wonder if some of these healthcare systems regret that decision as the primary reason they said that they had to get everybody vaccinated was because it was going to prevent healthcare workers from spreading it amongst themselves and others. I think we've seen, and again, I'm. Quad vaxxed or quint vaxxed. I don't know how many shots I got. <laughs> Whatever. I got all the shots. So I got the card. So did my kids and family. And I thought that was the right decision for me. And I think it probably, when I got COVID, helped prevent me from having serious complications from it. That said, I think what we've seen from the shots and medical officials are admitting is they don't do much in preventing the spread of the virus, which takes away the primary impetus for these systems insisting that their people get vaccinated. Maybe they regret it. Maybe they don't. Some percentage of people did quit the profession or at least their, their particular hospital because of that. I don't know if it's in large enough numbers to be talking about the crisis we're having right now. And we've had people text in as well saying this was pre-COVID. We were already understaffed. Seeing problems already. You had mentioned something earlier about how, you know, industry-wide, not just for hospitals and healthcare, but just in general, across just the business world, you're seeing burnout here. I mean, this this is just another example of that. From the 414, my daughter's... A CVICURN. She's 34 weeks pregnant and works 14 hours without a break. She grabs a bite here and there. A lot of difference when I was an RN in the hospital. So you just have another person who is just working, working all the time over and over and over again. And just at, at some point, whether it's uh, you're a nurse or something else, you're, you're going to burn out on it. Another theme that we're seeing is that it is a hard job. And I don't think anyone questions that. Here's another text uh, on the old National Bank talk and text line. Huge part of the shortage has to do with the verbal and sometimes even physical abuse nurses yeah. put up with on a regular basis. You wouldn't believe the frequency that this occurs. Why, why are you coming to the hospital then? <laughs> why are you yelling at these people? Well, I think, too, now, so I'm not going to defend uh, physical or verbal abuse of medical professionals, but I think, I think we've all sort of had it. And so you end up in the hospital and you're in a critical situation and you're not getting the service you need because they're understaffed. And it's not the fault of now this nurse who's in front of you who has double the amount of patients Mm -hmm, that he mm -hmm. or she is supposed to be working with. Who may not know you. Who didn't get there to answer your call because they were with who knows how many others. By the time they get to you now, you are as a patient, maybe you're in pain, maybe you're worried, maybe your questions aren't answered, so now you're on edge, you go off on that person, that person's now had it, they're out, they quit, now there are fewer people, and now all those people want to quit because there aren't enough people. Like, we're on a death spiral here. Yeah, you're right. Let me uh, bring in Ben here on the old National Bank talk and text line. Morning, Ben. Hey, morning, guys. What's your story? Uh, so, yeah, I work in healthcare, and, you know, we've been seeing this issue of... Uh, of staffing and then uh, reimbursement uh, gap too with Medicare and Medicaid. And it's really concerning. And I, I've been reaching out to our reps and I know we do a fair amount of lobbying on the state and uh, national level. But uh, yeah, I reached out to Chris Larson a few weeks ago and I'm like, Chris, we we're having this issue where the hospitals are losing money, especially in these lower income neighborhoods where they're on Medicare and Medicaid and they can't keep staff there. Um, losing millions of dollars and he wasn't really he wasn't well receptive of uh 
doing much about it in terms of trying to close that gap of what it costs to actually provide the care and what the government is actually reimbursing for the care. Yeah, Ben, I'm correct on that, right? Like in terms of Medicare, Medicaid, the reimbursement that you would get is not the same that you would get from a private insurer, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They're uh, Medicare and Medicaid. They're only paying a percentage of what it actually costs to perform those services. Uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate your work in healthcare as well. And uh, hang in there for us. <laughs> we need you. A lot of hey, texts about traveling nurses, too, about how traveling nurses make a little bit more, too. Uh, let's uh, bring in Chuck here. Chuck is with us in North Prairie. Morning, Chuck. Good morning. Well, it's snowing a little bit, but it's a good morning anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Indeed, yeah. yes. I hope you like so, it. We're going to get colder the next few days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so what I told the screener was uh, my wife had surgery six weeks ago at a very prominent hospital in Milwaukee. And um, I probably shouldn't go with the name. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, good. Uh, and all of, their, all of her nurses in the surgical ward after surgery ward uh, where she was in for five days, they were all contract nurses coming from all different parts of the country, Texas, Oklahoma, Wyoming, no kidding. from down in North Carolina, and can't find the help locally to have in there. So they're, have, they're, have, they're being forced to go to contract uh, nurses to bring them in. They come in for 30 to 60 days, go home, take a month off, and then look for the next contract they're going to go to. And from what I understand, they make pretty good dollars. Yeah, and they're way more expensive, thanks for the call, Chuck, than uh, hiring locally because you got to provide that incentive to get someone to move here even on a temporary basis. So that, again, continues to exacerbate the problem. We're at 830 on Wisconsin's Morning News. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Thanks for all the uh, really good responses and our discussion about health care. A lot that we couldn't get to, but certainly an issue that we need to keep an eye on. Steve is in for Steve today. Steve Wexler will be doing Steve Scafidi's show from 9 to noon. Special guest along with Steve, former news anchor at WISN 12 News. Toya Washington is going to join Steve. Ooh, the bug is already biting her, huh? She has to get back in, back <laughs> th- into the media. I think Wex may have, uh, <laughs> it's like, you got you to help me out on this one. Had to scratch that itch. I just ran into her, and Steve's like, do you guys even really know each other? Because those of us who worked in the business for a long time, you don't necessarily see everybody right, or whatever. Sure. My grandparents used to, oh, they used to drive me nuts. They'd ask me if I knew all these people. Like on the national scene, you know, somebody would pop up on ESPN. Do you know him? I'm like, they just sort of thought like, well, you're all here in my TV box, so you guys must all know hey, each other. Hey, can you tell Brokaw? <laughs> yeah. No, no discrimination between NBC. My grandma asked me about that once. Brian Williams. God rest her soul, my grandma. You know, why don't you get that job? You know, at the, sit at the desk. I'm like, well, grandma, that's... NBC News in New York. Yeah. I work for Channel 4 in Milwaukee. She's, oh, yeah. You don't want to go to New York. <laughs> yeah, that's why. I turned them down. <laughs> 20 minutes before 9 o'clock on Wisconsin's Morning News. You know, we usually like to goof around a little bit, but there are a couple of serious stories. Obviously, the last half hour talking about the healthcare situation. And then this in the schools this lawsuit that's being brought by the elementary school teacher who was shot in her classroom, they say, by a six-year-old student. 
I'm not usually a fan of sue everybody right away, you know, lawsuits. I think there are many frivolous lawsuits, and particularly when you're talking about suing a public entity, you're now essentially suing the taxpayers, (laughs) right? But this teacher has an absolute case, and if the lawsuit is what it takes to bring attention to... Man, this keeps happening where people have done what they were told. They step up, they do the right thing, they report behavior that they think could be a problem, and then, like, nothing happens, This is the story out of uh, Newport News, Virginia. A six-year-old used a gun to shoot his teacher, and uh, now this lawsuit has been filed. Three times school administration was warned by concerned teachers and employees that the boy had a gun on him at the school, but the administration could not be bothered. And that's an attorney for the school teacher, Abby Zwerner. She is now suing the school district over its handling of the situation and failure at multiple points through the day to take decisive action. She apparently had this student who was uh, known to have behavioral issues. So when this student first came into school and apparently had threatened to beat up another student, she reported it to the administration right away and said, yeah, you know, if any of you who've been teachers, like, <laughs> you know which students you keep an eye on. And, and he was on their radar. And so, right, he was on her radar. She reported that right away, like, hey, this student is maybe prone to acting up today, but there was no action taken. Nobody removed him. Then there was an early report that that student may have had a gun, so they searched his backpack. They didn't find the gun. Okay, after that, there was another report that the student may have had a gun. It was suggested that he be searched, and they didn't. They didn't search him. Another student came in after lunchtime playground crying and apparently reported to administrators this kid had a gun he showed it to me and said if i told anyone he would shoot me and still they didn't go after and search this child and there was even still one more report that the kid might have had a gun and still nothing happened and so i don't know how you get out from this teacher not being fully justified in her lawsuit And the fact that the superintendent, the school board, fired that person already. An assistant principal at the school has since resigned. I'm guessing that may be one of the people who was told of this and did nothing about it. But there was another story in the news that made me think of this, Eric. What was it where it was like things were reported and something didn't happen? It was that woman who was clearly struggling mentally with her daughter who were later found in a lake. Yep, that was earlier in Milwaukee. Something even more recent than that. I'll think of it as we continue talking about this. But You're asked to be vigilant. You're asked to call and respond and and report, and here it just didn't happen in the school. And I know your kids, my kids, I'm sure your district is like mine. There are so many of these different mechanisms for students to report things because things that they see on social media – or things that they hear in the hallway or whatever. They have apps on their phone where they can report through the app anonymously if they like something that they heard in the schools. That you, hey, you got to let us know. You got to let us know. And I will say there have been a number of situations where the school has communicated with us as parents or the district has said this was reported to us. There was a thing on social media and it came to our attention because someone spoke out and it got the attention it needed. I just don't know where it falls through the gap, you know, where it falls through the cracks here. Usually, the hard part is figuring out when somebody is going to act out. But time and time again, we're seeing situations where there are not only just warning signs, but in this case, a blatant report. This kid had a gun. I saw it. He threatened me. And they didn't do anything about it. I don't get it. Where's the breakdown?
You know, I said it before, you know, we tell, you tell us all the time, if you see something, say something. Okay, well, if we say something, would you do something? It's 844 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Just had to try to get that posted on my Twitter so you could follow along if you like. I'm at Vince Vetrano on Twitter. I'll get it up on Facebook as well. But Pancake brought this story to our attention this morning. Have you ever ordered off the, they call it ordering off menu, right? Yes. Like when you go into a place and you order something that's not on the menu, but you kind of want them. I just sort of want, I'm, I'm ordering something that I've made up here. See, I think you can get away with that sometimes at some more of the, the higher brow places. Like when you go to the Bennigans or the Applebee's, I don't know if you can get away with that. I never do. If we, if we the three of us were at dinner, Greg, and you sit down and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ask for something that's totally not on the menu, I would, I would have anxiety over that. <laughs> yeah, so would I. Honestly, yeah. Wait, that would be a totally move. off the menu though. Like, yeah. can't you just say, "Hey, can we put this and this together?" Like, my wife is a vegetarian. We've gone to to steak places before, and she's asked for some type of pasta dish that isn't on the menu, and they really good about that. Really, if it's a combination okay. of ingredients that are already had, and it's not too outlandish, I would understand. Such as, such as, oh, I don't know, maybe like a Philly cheesesteak and. Two waffles made as bread. <laughs> Can't you just order each of them and put them together, you know, some assembly required? Ah, Debbie, that's no fun. And that's ordering two full dishes right. when you could just get it as one. But they would charge you extra anyway, though, for the specialness of it. Not until TikTok tells you oh, that it's a possibility. Okay. Which is what happened at your local, not so local, Waffle House when a TikTok user said, named Chantel gained over 6 million views in just one week when she ordered a Texas Toast baked cheesesteak, but instead of the Texas toast, she subbed them the pieces of bread as full waffles. In order to get it, all you gotta do is get a Texas bacon cheese milk. Replace the Texas toast. It's extra, baby. It's extra. It's oh, extra, baby. It's extra. To be the That's pure, okay? Get you two waffles. One for the bottom, one for the top. Now you could be fancy and add the eggs, add the eggs, do what you do, baby, because what you do, you're going to do well. Better run, you better go get it right now. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I'm looking at this thing right now, and again, you can uh, check it out on my Twitter as well. It's it's pretty awesome looking. It's two waffles, and they got a whole bunch of meat and onions and eggs and bacon in there and all where sorts of stuff. Where is this at? Where can you get away with this? She was saying Waffle House. You go to the Waffle House, and you order it up special off menu, and, the, and they'll make it for you. But the <laughs> sure thing is, they well, people... <laughs> Used to make it for you. <laughs> People are fed up. And the side, Greg and I were looking at this at the same time. So now there's this, is it all, well, this isn't all the Waffle Houses since this is not an official sign, but this was posted at one of them, hey? I don't know. It looks pretty official. When I say official, it's <laughs> Sharpie on an 8 by 11 piece of paper on the register that says, not so subtly, order from the menu. We're not making nothing you've seen on TikTok. <laughs> Yes. Oh, boy. Big in the upper right-hand corner, read me, exclamation point, (laughs) red letters, order from the menu, and then we're not making nothing you've seen on TikTok. That would No waffle sandwiches. I could see how that could be a pain. (laughs) You get a bunch of clowns in here saying like, hey, Chantel said I can get this here. So the gamble you play is some 
Waffle Houses will actually make it for you, but as you alluded to, Vinny, there's a cost. Be prepared to spend about $30 on this meal if you get it to go. Now, if you sit your ass down and eat it, you're going to spend $20, okay? 20 bucks. What do you say? That's nothing. 20 uh, bucks? I'm telling you, this thing looks so good. I would, I would maybe throw down a 20 one time. Yeah, you could share it with we somebody, could split too, it. right? You could have a major stomach ache afterwards to look forward to. Well, they ain't making nothing on TikTok. 8.53 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Steve is in for Steve this morning on the Steve Scafidi Show. Steve Wexler will be taking you up until noon today. Good morning, sir. Hey, Vince, Eric, found my way to the radio studio. <laughs> That's good. Just right down the stairs. Yeah, Very good absolutely. For you. Uh, do, would you like to introduce your special guest who'll be joining you for this? I would. Morning? I'll give you the backstory. So Scafidi's been off for, what, a couple of years now? Or? <laughs> it sure seems like it. Lost know. track. Um, and the team was trying to fill out the Scafidi Show, and there was this one like lingering day. Friday, today. And they were like, Wex, why don't you go play radio? And I said, yeah, but I'm not doing that by myself. I need somebody interesting. I need somebody local. I need somebody fun. I need somebody far more interesting than me. And I thought, I wonder what that Toya Washington, who was at Channel 12 for so many years, is up to. And I called Toya and I said, do you want to come play radio with me? And she said, absolutely. Toya Washington in this house this morning. I was telling Wax, he, well, he asked, I think, earnestly if we actually knew each other, because I think the assumption is, especially for, I, I told the story about my grandma, she thought I knew everyone who was inside her TV box. If you're in the TV box, yes, you're all in the same space. Yes. You guys must know each I other. I actually thought because of the shifts you worked, it would be hard for you to cross paths. It was difficult, but we we managed to to yeah. make do here and there. I also like that everybody thinks that we're somehow like born enemies. That's what I thought. You that guys we were don't fight know here. that we that, no. Ooh, that's not, she was a twelve. And no, he was a no, that's not it. That's not the case at all. Don't so. you think we have, by the way, like really for the most part, really fine journalists in our newsrooms in in town. There's a lot of excellent people. Absolutely, there are. There are, and it's. I mean, I know a lot of people at home are like, "Oh my gosh, these younger people." But listen, that's the same thing that they said about me. 20 plus years ago. Nobody like, said that about you. Years ago. 10, yes. When I started at 13 years old, when they, you know. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's great journalists here. Lots of potential, lots of, you know, people who really care about the Milwaukee community and, you know, greater southeastern Wisconsin. So give them a chance. Well, I also say, like, all you have to do is when, when you're on vacation, pop on the local news wherever you are, very often in a city that's larger than ours, and just ask yourself, is this better or worse than what I what I right. got at home, right. or at least of the same quality? I have always thought, what are we market thirty three now for television? I believe so, thirty three, thirty four, or whatever. You can go to a top ten market and see the same quality of right. news across the board. Well, I feel just great having you here, obviously, and I was really thrilled when Toya said, "Yeah, I'll come and play radio with you for a few hours," because it took a lot of pressure off me, and I thought also <laughs> thought it'll make for much more interesting content today on TMJ. Well, awesome! Uh, anything specific that you want to let us know you're talking about? Sure. Did you guys dive into this Brookfield Tosa West Alice thing at all this week? A little bit? Not a great debate. Yeah. We, I don't know if you call it a debate, but it's unique anyway. Well, Toya and I were talking about it. We we want to talk about this uh, 
Like, is Brookfield really Beverly Hills? Like, what's the, the deal there? <laughs> the alderman who suggested that if you couldn't afford to live in Brookfield, then I, I thought, and outside of the very serious conversation about affordable housing yes. and whether or not he was even legally able to say some of the things he said about affordable housing, as a kid who grew up in Wauwatosa, all I heard was Brookfield guys saying, well, if you can't afford to live here, go shack up in those in Wauwatosa for a while. I'm like, oh, yeah, Brookfield? <laughs> oh, yeah? We're supposed to all get along. Come on. Well, I, mean, yes. I drove through Wauwatosa on my way in this morning, and I have to tell you, I felt a little like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Brookfield, so not in Brookfield anymore. Stop. Not in Brookfield. Stop. So we're going to get into that both, as you said, on what is that really? And then we're going to want we're going to hear from people. We're going to want to hear from people from West Alice. I got it. By the way, West poor West Alice got yeah. thrown under the bus. I, I do. I do not understand. I do not understand. So we'll do that. And then um, political signs. Why are they still up in some people's yards? <laughs> What's going on? Always. Right? Why? Always. Especially for the for the person who lost. Well, yes. Like, don't you want to? Don't you a little embarrassed? I mean, did you not get around to it? Right. Is the election not over? Are it's you never to, over? What exactly is that? So uh, we have that, and then um, do you want to just quickly tee up this Martin Luther King Jr. Speech? Yes, the abridged version that was um, put out by a paper out on the East Coast, and it just did not did not land well. Didn't hit. Did not <laughs> land well. They I got, I got lots of things. Yeah, I have a dream, and they kind of did, but they took some poetic license with his speech yeah probably shouldn't do that <laughs> probably shouldn't all right steve is in for steve toya washington joins him that's coming up next on wtmj